For GateWorld.net, I am David Reed here with Mr. Colin Cunningham. Finally, sir, we've been trying to get a hold of yeah. you for a long time. No kidding. No kidding. <laughs> so you have been busy lately. I have. What's where are some of the most recent projects other than Centigrade, which I, I'll get yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, what it's, are some? It's this past year really has been a bit of a whirlwind because uh, as much as I've been, you know, acting, which is my day job, I have. I, I began. I really, really began making a, a point of directing and producing more projects. You know, because you can only stand on a piece of tape for so long, and you're constantly, you know, waiting for the phone to ring. And uh, I've really, really made a point this year. It's like, no, I'm gonna start doing my own projects. I'm gonna stop waiting around. So we actually won a Kickstarter award. We started Centigrade off. And, uh, and it's just been a, a whirlwind of festivals and awards and all that kind of stuff. And right now, that's why I have the mustache. I don't normally make this kind of fashion choice. Um, this <laughs> is for a thing I'm doing uh, called Fireball, which is kind of a uh, Stephen King kind of thing. A guy, uh, his DNA gets changed, and he's impervious to fire, and he can look at you and literally make you spontaneously combust. So I play a, a tabloid reporter that's hounding him and obsessed with, with his story, and, and I track him everywhere he goes. Interesting. And last night I got lit on fire. It was awesome. Oh, really? And it's crazy because you literally think, what a job. Uh -huh. Literally, I, I went up in fire and had to spin around and fall out of a window. And it's just, it's, you know, there's no, it's no greater job in the world. Oh, it's just a lot of fun. So it's been a busy year. It's been really, really cool. Wow. Um, where will this uh, pro this particular project this be, be available? I think it's going to go uh, to the Sci-Fi Channel, I okay. believe. Yeah. Like Try a movie of the week? Many, yeah. Try not okay. to ask him too many questions. Just go in there and learn your lines, do your thing. And, do they hate it when actors ask questions? They just want well, you to do your part? Well, not when it's about the But I never, like, when I'll go into an audition, I don't want to know who's directing, who's producing, because if it's somebody big, then you get nervous. And oh. if it's somebody you've never heard of, you may think, oh, well, maybe this isn't such a big... So it's just like every every job's the same. You show up and you just, you just nail it, and, and, or you try to nail it and do, do the best you can. So the, usually the director is not in that room. The casting director Depends is. More times than not, they are. Um, sometimes it'll literally be just a casting director. Somebody such as yourself, and there's a camera, and you uh -huh. will read this, the, the scene. Uh -huh. um, that's a small percentage of times where you'll get cast from tape. But mostly, yeah, there's there's physical people in the room, and, and that's always best to do. That way they can tell you to bring it up, bring it down, take it where we're going to take it. Sweet. All right, yeah. Tell us about the genesis of Centigrade. Centigrade. This story, you know? Yeah, Centigrade in a nutshell is about a guy who lives in an old, dilapidated, busted up trailer. There's no wheels on it, it's just laying dead in the weeds. And he does a bad thing, and he wakes up in the morning, and it's rolling. It's rolling down the highway. It's being towed by a big black pickup truck. And uh, basically, the doors won't open, and the windows won't break, and he can't get out. And that's essentially what it's about. It's about a man trapped. Um, and that's basically it in a, in a nutshell. But the, the film, we got the Kickstarter Award through the Directors Guild. And it was a real opportunity for me as a director to do something a little bit different. And the challenge was there's maybe three or four lines of dialogue throughout the whole film. And then it's all uh, basically visual imagery and, and telling the story through through images. Uh -huh. So in, in, a, in a way, it's sort of a, an homage, a tribute to, uh, to Steven Spielberg's Duel. I don't know if you ever saw Duel, but it's great. Right old lost Spielberg classic. It's awesome. Dennis Weaver plays a guy just driving down the highway and he gets tormented by a diesel rig that's trying to kill him. And it's just it's just a fantastic project. So anyway, but, but the film turned out really, really well. So we've actually qualified for an Academy Award, uh, which is hard to do because you've got to get into an Academy-sanctioned festival. And then once there, you have to win, which is not an easy thing to do. And uh, basically, that's, that's kind of it. So we've been traveling all over the world and it's opened up doors. We're developing it into a feature and just some good things are happening. So it's not a feature yet? No, not yet. Not okay. yet. We basically started off making a, a short 
And uh, but we're developing it into a feature film. We should have that done in the next six months. Wow. Yeah, pretty cool. It is okay. pretty cool. Uh, did you write it? I did. I wrote it, directed it, and acted in it. And I didn't want to act in it. That was the last thing I wanted to do. If anything, I really wanted to focus on just uh, on just directing. But my lead actor, the guy that I wanted, uh, basically was blowing me off. He wasn't answering his phone. Oh. Like, Fine. All right. Great. I'll do it. I'll do it. And you know what? It actually, I won't say it worked out better, but it worked out quicker because uh, I didn't need to spend a lot of time talking to the other act. I knew exactly... You know what you I, want. I, yeah, I knew what I needed. And, I can't uh, find anyone who's as good as me. <laughs> well, it was, it was quick. So it was like, put the camera here, and I was able to just react and make all, you know, basically do it and do it quicker. But it's it's hard to uh, to flip back and forth, you know, to go from acting, now, okay, great, now put the camera here, okay, and you, then you act, and then put the camera here, okay, and you're doing... So it's a, it's a weird kind of thing. you got to be really, really prepared. But it takes a lot out of you. It really does. It takes a lot out of you. Where did this story idea come from for you? What, what were you in the shower started, and it's like, you know, that soap, that soap bubble, you know, it was I have just, an epiphany. It was one of three scripts that I wrote, oh God, 15, 16 years ago. Really? Yeah, literally sat in a box for that long. So if you got a good idea, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, just because you didn't do it this year or 10 years ago, doesn't mean that it won't, it won't come around. Yeah, timing. Yeah, and it was basically uh, through... Well, I had have these scripts sitting in a, in a box, and one was uh, two hitmen show up for the same hit, and they discover each other on alternate rooftops. Oh. A short, short subject: What would happen if two guys just get, and they're like they need to barter, or lead to who's gonna who's gonna kill the guy to get the money? Well, I want it. Well, you want it? And they basically play a game of charades, sounds like, and they try and make, make all that kind of stuff. And then the other, of course, was centigrade guy trapped in a trailer. No, the third one was uh, was a kid in a, in a soccer ball kind of story, but a sweet kind of thing. Anyway, when the Kickstarter came up, I thought, great, a good old thriller. And uh, the nice thing about it is that it's not a short trying to be a feature. Sometimes people try and do more than what it is, but it's it's exactly what it is. And I'm just a big, huge fan of Rod Serling and the Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. But when the Kickstarter stuff through the DGC, the Director's Guild came around and was like, let's do this, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, that was basically that. What do you think the film's message is? Is it about, is it about redemption, forgiveness? Yeah, is it there's about definitely a bit of vendettas, judgment day, atonement. Yeah. You know, because at the at the end of it, well, even yeah, but all of a sudden you become him. You're essentially trapped with this guy, and uh, and yeah, hopefully, if everybody maybe thinks twice a little bit about uh, the decisions they make, and maybe a little bit of karma and. Maybe who knows? At the end of the day, there might be something waiting for you. So it, mm-hmm. I think it's um, the message is to maybe think twice, no matter where or how you come from, mm-hmm. you know. But I think the trick for me directorially was uh, was to create a guy who's a bad guy. I mean, just really just is a, a guy, bad guy. Yeah, a bad guy that you just would not feel sorry for in a, in, at all, and take him through the process of of, of basically uh, being trapped like an animal, and. And seeing if I could get the audience to actually have some compassion for him. So here's a guy that you'd, you'd never think twice of. I mean, you're just a real dirtbag. And yet, because you're trapped with him, you've got to go through everything that this guy goes through. Mm-hmm. And uh, you actually end up, maybe, some people are like, well, I didn't feel sorry for him. And other people are like, God, I kind of felt sorry for him. You know, he's such a pig. He's just filled. He's garbage. And yet, at the end of the day, we're all, you know, to be trapped and it's mm-hmm. of the humanity and all that. Find your humanity. Yeah, exactly. so, it's a, so it's, a, it's a trip. But I mean, he definitely gets his comeuppance. There's no question about it. And sometimes it's not a pretty sight, but uh, that's, that's, that's what it is. Sweet. Yeah. Um, you're originally American. 
Um, yeah, what's weird? I never even heard the term American until I came up to Vancouver. I, well, it's North well, America, well, I'm you from, know. I mean, I'm from L.A. It's like yeah. you're from L.A. Americans have big turquoise belt buckles and cowboy hats. And fit tobacco, yeah. Yeah, you know. So I was like, oh, he's an American. He's American. But uh, so it's weird. It was I never heard really heard the term American until I came up to Vancouver. Oh, you're American. You're American. You're American. It's like. Yeah, yeah, I guess I am. Yeah, I'm an American. You're from you know? the states. Well, it's weird because there's not. It doesn't work the other way. It's not like Canadians go down south. Oh, you're Canadian. You're Canadian. You're Canadian. You're Canadian. So, oh, they're Canadians here. Yeah, you know? yeah, you're living your life. You don't really care, especially in L.A. You know, you can't understand. Yeah. Why oh, it's would such a melting pot. Why would somebody live in Arizona or Utah? What is I'm that? in Arizona. No, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> in L.A., you got the beach, you've got the snow, you've got the surf. I mean, you got you've got in the desert. It's all exactly. there within a couple of hours, so it's hard right. to comprehend. Somebody living in Illinois. Where is? I'm that? from Illinois originally. What's up with that? From Illinois, living in Arizona. See, That's I did my right. research on you. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, what? What? What was the original decision that, that had you go to Vancouver? Was it? Was it a limit of Basically, number of jobs in yeah, L.A. Like or? I'm, yeah, I was living. Well, I, shouldn't, I should say not living at mm. all in, in in L.A. I was surviving, trying to get through day to day, but I was literally living on. Uh, Hollywood Boulevard and Western and there's a pool hall there and I was like living above the pool hall and there was an ambulance out front every other night of the week and I thought oh. I gotta get out of here and I, the acting trying to act trying to get auditions I mean, it was just impossible so I uh, basically said screw this I'm gonna I'm gonna go to film school and work behind the camera so I saw a little ad for the Vancouver Film School and I thought great it's not even in the country you know it's not in LA or New York and it's only a three four month program that's where I'm going I'm going to, I'm going to Vancouver so I thought I'm gonna go to Vancouver, go to school, make my own movie, and put me in it. And so that's what I did. I came up to Vancouver, went to school, and started up my own production company, and made a movie, and put me in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, you know, even if it takes ten years, it'll be one more movie than I'll have with me than I would if I sat around Hollywood waiting, waiting for somebody. Hey, look at me. Here's my headshot. Here's my mm-hmm. So that was that. But basically, when I came up here, I had no idea Vancouver had what it had. We were doing Jump Street and Wise Guy and The Commission, all these different shows, and Highlander. Mm-hmm. And I, these are all shows I assumed that were that were being shot in, in LA, but they were all shot up here. So, so by fluke fate, but I lived I lived in my Honda Civic for two weeks out of the park, showered and showered out of the drinking fountain for the first couple of weeks I was here in Vancouver. Oh wow! Yeah, man, oh, look man. me now. Now I have a mustache. So <laughs> don't try that at home. Is that good uh, life lessons? You know, you've been you know where you don't want to be now, and it's something yeah, to work well, for. Yeah, it's, it's God. I just remember. I'll tell you a quick story. I remember I was working on a show. That actually here in Vancouver, but I, I, I think I'd moved out of my place for sublet. I didn't have a place to stay. Okay. So the production actually put me up in a hotel, and it was on it was the Delta Suites Hotel over on Hastings Street or near Hastings. And I walk into this beautiful, gorgeous room, and it was like this Japanese origami thing with rice paper. It was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. I thought, wow, this is just so gorgeous. And I looked out the window and across the street, and across the street is where I used to do telephone sales. Okay, and I did telephone sales for two years. You know, just a miserable job. Uh, and it used to be at night calling people after they got home from work. Anyway, so it was. It was around 6, 7 o'clock at night. I look across the street, and there's a guy sitting in my desk on my phone, you know, doodling, you know, hi, is this, ah, this is your name here calling from Money Suck, you know. Have you got a moment? Let me tell you about the new promotion that we're doing, whatever. And I just see this guy doing his, his script. And I thought, here I am, 100 yards away, 50, 50 yards away, and I'm a world away. You know, here I've been invited to do this show, and I'm doing working tomorrow, and I'm working with all these, you know, familiar faces. And I look across the street, and there's the guy that had my old job. You know, so it's a trip. You know, so I never, I never take it for granted, man. 
it's this time tomorrow I can be back across the street again. So you just mm-hmm. do what you do, you do it with a smile on your face, and that's the end of that. Man, oh man. Um, so Major Davis. I mean, Major obviously Davis. we're Gate World. Major um, mustache. <laughs> I remember in 2003 the. Oh, you have to this job i'd love you to tell that story oh god all right. please all right, okay, that's that's the genesis of major davis <laughs> so season two see it was, um, yes see, was it season two it see, yeah i believe it was two, season two yes a and they had a great episode they had a, this one it was a one and it was at the command center or whatever you know i'm looking at the, the at the gate and they had oh god the whole cast was there and i was the last guy and it was a one shot so it went from richard to amanda to teal to michael shanks to general hammond to Technician, and then it came to me. I mean, everybody was there, and it was one shot, so there were no cuts. Uh-huh. And the camera just followed each person as they said their line, and get to me every at the last one. I'd be like, "Cut!" Screw up my line. I couldn't get my line. It was it was Chevron Asgard six seven two dashes not engaged or whatever the hell it was, and I just couldn't get this freaking line. So okay, go again. Was this your first episode? No, this wasn't my first episode. Oh, my first episode. so this is not the but it's like matter of time. But like second episode. Oh, okay. You know? And um, Richard, blah, 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 Amanda, they get to me and I'm like, you know, again. Oh, you you just don't remember it? Blank. I kept blanking <sighs> on the line. Anyway, so Peter DeLuise is directing and and it, it, we'd done maybe seven, eight, nine of these things. It's, it's like bad. Bad. Oh man! And Gary Jones was like, he knows my line. I don't know my line, but Gary's like, Asgard talking, Asgard, you know. So finally, do it one more time, and we get to the end of me again, and I totally freeze, and I hear this disembodied voice a thousand yards away from the back of the studio saying, "Who'd you have to f- to get this job?" And I just died. I just thought, oh, my God. You know, and, and it was Peter doing it as a, as a joke to break the tension. Oh, it was a joke. It was a joke. Oh, oh I thought it was, was pissed. No, no. It was a joke. It was a total joke. It was a total joke, and I let, but it was awful. But I know Peter, and it, it helped, and it, and oh, did it, the next it loosened time. you up. Yeah, and we and we got it we got it done, because he's an actor. I mean, he worked forever, and he's, he's a great actor uh-huh. himself, and it was just a... Uh, you know, you knew, like, let's just call it as we see it. You can't remember your line, you're blanking out, so mm-hmm. let's just all have a laugh and, and we'll try it one more time and it worked. Mm-hmm. It they brought you in for A Matter of Time, which was a great sci fi episode. You know, Major Paul Davis from the Pentagon, you know, let's take General Hammond to Washington and we'll be back in five minutes. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, did you, I, I, I know you've had this question asked to you so, so many times. Did you have any idea that, that, the, the fan following of the show and the response, what the response of this character I, would be. I did, but boy, was it underestimated. I just thought, oh, cool, sci-fi show. I, I think, I don't even know if it had been syndicated. All I knew was that they would bring people back. And yeah. as an actor, awesome. You know, uh-huh. you know, if they could bring me back, that's awesome. So I just remember thinking, man, just do the best job you possibly can. Go in there, nail it as best you can, mm-hmm. and maybe they'll, maybe they'll bring you back. I had no idea that I'd be on the show five, six, seven years or whatever it was and travel all over the world and meet all these people. I had no clue, no Mm -hmm. clue. And just the community and, uh, oh, man, I mean, seriously, it's been a life-changing thing. I've really grown as just a human being. You know, you meet the Make-A-Wish kids and beyond and all that kind of stuff. And it's just, this isn't just a a job or a show, you know what I mean? It's a community. Yeah, it's Yeah. uh, it's a real wonderful thing and I've been uh, I've been really blessed to, uh, to to be a part of it I really have in fact it's funny I actually bumped into Richard uh, Dean Anderson yesterday 
And Richard, I, God, I haven't seen Richard in forever. And even on set, it's not like we chatted all that much. And I just, you know, I said, hey, Richard, you know, this has been great. And I don't think I ever got a chance to say thanks, you know, because I've been all over the world, Australia, New Zealand, and London, and France, and blah, 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 blah. And uh, he's like, well, not like I had anything to do with it, but of course he does. Yeah. You know, Richard he's doesn't like it. He just snuff you right out. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's the, he's the man. He's, he signed the checks, you know. So, um, mm-hmm. anyway, so it's, it has. It's been a real it's been a real privilege. What episodes stand out to you over the course of these years? I mean, you did fewer, yeah, a, unfortunately, well, they're, they're, as the show went on. Descent was a great one. I love that. Yeah, I don't. I'm not even sure which is what anymore. But I remember okay. my first one naturally. Of course, I remember that like the back of my hand. And of course, working with Don, mm-hmm. uh, who holds it just a real, yes. real sacred spot in my heart. You know, because we went back before Stargate, so it was just great to be there and, and mm-hmm. to work with him. And the first time I worked with, with Richard, I think it was uh, Foothold. Hanging up there with MacGy- yes. MacGyver for 12 hours. And like, Don't say anything. Oh, that was stupid. You shouldn't have said that. Oh, you, know, you were nervous. Usual. Oh, totally terrified, yeah. terrified. You know, but uh, but I think that the, now I look at it as an overall. I don't remember singular episodes anymore. Mm-hmm. As opposed to just uh, descent was the sinking mothership. Ah, okay. So, but I just I remember Don. I remember Amanda. Yeah. I remember. Uh, I remember watching Michael Shanks just thinking, God, this guy's a great actor, and just, just different little moments like that, and just how cool it was, you know, and I don't really, uh, I didn't do Atlantis, so I'm not sure the community there, but, but I, I believe that SG-1 was different, it really was, the, the, the early years, the first four or five seasons were, uh, were magic, they really were, mm-hmm. and anybody who was on it, man, was, uh, was, was really lucky to be there. How'd you meet Don? I met Don, I think the first show that we worked on 14 years ago, 15 years ago, um, it's either Fire on the Mountain or some other movie of the week. They were really spitting out the movies of the week. And uh, and Don took me under his wing. He really did. He kind of showed me the ropes. It was a big green in Vancouver. And uh, and it was great. He kind of looked out for me. And, and, and it, was, it was great. You know, it was really, really cool. I was always proud to show up on a, on a show and then see Don there. It was like, I'm still here. And he'd go, good to see you again, kid. You know, it, was, it, was, it was great, you know, because it's, it's a fickle business. You never know if you're going to ever work again. So it was always... Don was one of the first, if not the first, actor that I ever worked with uh, in Vancouver, and uh, so it was kind of like this little marker, you know, mm-hmm. just to, to always show up and, and to see him on a set. It was like, great, hey Don, I'm still here. That's right. It was cool. It was good. And you still are. Yeah, still here. <laughs> His passing was such a shock to yeah, all of us. Yeah. It was completely unexpected. Yeah. Yeah. No. Totally. It's funny because you. you there's different imagery or, or icons, I suppose, of the show. Uh, you know, you got Teal'c and, and Amanda and Richard, of course. And, and But to me, it was always Don. Anytime I saw a Stargate SG-1 poster, it was like it was Don's chrome dome, you know? It was just Don Davis was Major Hammond, man. And it was like everything revolved around around Hammond. And it was, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a real uh, a real, dra- uh, real drag. You know? Yeah. Well, he was always, he was the lighthouse keeper. You totally. Know? And, the, and the father figure. Yeah. And when they got into trouble, you know, they, that that was always the guy who would either bail them out or, I mean, just keep the light on until yeah. they were they able to make such, it back. It's so weird to even think of it in the past tense. I know. Don, just, just you watch the stuff, he has such presence. Such presence, you know what I mean? So you gotta you got to up your game when you're just standing next to the man. The man mm-hmm. doesn't even have to say anything. He's just standing there. Once he opened that voice, he's like, just, yeah. mm-hmm. just, just awesome. It's a real, real shame. What are some of the charities that you support, you know, your, where charities. your fans can reach out Well, it's and help. funny. It's like forever I was first doing Stargate, and I was like, i got to get serious about a charity here, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, it's a good thing. But everybody else has got 
such great charity, they'd just be kind of supporting supporting those, you know. I mean, Jr. has got his thing and cystic fibrosis. Yeah, you know, and uh, and and so I've always definitely even Dan Payne's got something going on over the weekend, mm -hmm. so I, I, I lent as much of my time and effort to, to that as I could in terms of putting stuff up for auction and stuff. I was actually working that day, <laughs> but. Uh, but I, 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 I like the animal causes, you know, I think because uh, these guys have got all the, the kids and then this and the that. So uh, and I think I, I got a bit of a soft spot in my heart for that because my, my fan club once got me a uh, adopted a wolf for me for a That's year. That's right. I remember it that. It was the coolest damn thing. And I literally got it to go out and, and meet the wolf and get be part of the pack. And we all kind of walked around for the, for the day. So that, that kind of stuff, I think, is, uh, is, is pretty, pretty sweet. Where do you see your career going next? You know, I mean, Centigrade has been pretty well received. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, we will find out. Well, we get to submit for an Academy Award in right. October. So that'd be interesting. We got bragging rights until October anyway. I mean, the odds are still whatever, but uh, you just got to walk the path and then smile. But uh, I don't know. I think that's one of the reasons why I got into this business. Yeah, I have no idea what the hell's going to happen next. And that's part of the fun. I think if I had to show up to a 9-to-5 job every day, I'd, I'd go nuts. You know, I don't, I don't want to know what's going to happen. I love insecurity. I don't want security. It's, hmm. it's, it's death, you know. I mean, for me, anyway. <laughs> for anybody who has a job, but uh, I, well, I mean, my job, I get to show up, and every day I do. It's completely different. Completely different people. Completely different locations. Completely different page dialogue. And even after you're saying the dialogue 30 times in a row, and not, it's 30 different ways of saying it. So I, I, I'm addicted to a life of no ordinary moments, you know. And I'll tell you, it's weird, though, because you become a, become a bit of a junkie for it. Because when you actually have a moment to sit and stay with things as they are, and you don't have the stimuli, sometimes you can go a bit nutty. You know? Well, as long as you're happy doing what you're yeah, doing, yeah, you know, what's, I mean, that's the important yeah, thing. Yeah, no, if you, if you can get paid doing the thing you love, you'll, you'll never work another day in your life. That's exactly right.